Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, Pater! Pater! Hi, everyone, and welcome to Pater, a Penn State football show. Along with former Penn State and NFL quarterback Matt McGloin, I'm Tom Hannafin. This show is brought to you by our sponsors, Funk Brewing, the official craft beer partners of Pater. We're big fans of Funk Citrus IPA, the Silent Disco IPA, and the Double Disco Double IPA. But don't forget... Our official beer, the Paydirt IPA, is still available right now in Funk's Emmaus Taproom only. Funk has so many great beers to choose from at their taprooms in Emmaus, Elizabethtown in York, in Pennsylvania. You can find a variety of Funk Brewing beers at your favorite beer distributor and grocery store. Visit FunkBrewing.com to learn where and how you can get their fantastic products. Must be 21 years or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Also, Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, to receive your rewards. Pater is presented by Bet Online, where the game starts. Also, we invite you to head to shop.believe.com. That's shop.believ.com and search Pater for our two t-shirts. One is the official show logo over the heart. It comes in white, navy blue, and black. And the other is a navy blue t-shirt. It has the Pater wordmark over the heart and on the back circa the 2012 Penn State football season. It has Matt McGloin's name and number. Again, head to shop.believe.com. That's shop.believ.com and search Pater for our two t-shirts i want to thank you all for tuning in on espn radio state college as well as checking out the podcast version of this show presented by the believe network which is available now on youtube apple Podcasts, spotify tune in and wherever else you get your podcasts and of course hit us up on twitter and let us know what you think of the show at espn radio 1037 at McGloin QB11 and at Tom Hannafin. Matt, we are continuing our countdown to the Rose Bowl. Maybe the last true sense of the Rose Bowl event, quote unquote, considering that this event is going to change in coming years and that you might not even see the Pac-12 champion versus a Big Ten opponent, kind of like mm-hmm. what we're going to see Penn State versus Utah and how the Rose Bowl come 2024 when you get a 12-team playoff is going to be a part of that playoff. So, It's about to change, and it's unfortunate, but at the same time, we can savor this moment. As we're getting closer and closer to this Rose Bowl, how are you feeling about this matchup with Utah? Because we talked about it briefly with Steve Jones, but we haven't really delved into it. Yeah, you know, I I think, Tom, you know, the the more that, you know, the days are going to go by, the weeks are going to go by, I think what this becomes is more about Penn State rather than Penn State and Utah. And and what I mean by that, it's outside of the college football playoff, Tom, right? It's arguably the best bowl you, you can go to the Rose Bowl, it right? Is. You In know, my opinion, it is. Um, so for me, when you look at the year Penn State had, 10 and 2, you know, you, you can make the argument that they could have been 11 and 1, right? If they, 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 they win the Ohio State game. The only game they really got beat bad in was the Michigan game. And you know, 
Michigan has done that to everybody, almost everybody this year, right? So, you know, so for me, the way I look at it is this is a game that has a chance to send them to, to, to cap the season off on an extremely high note and send them into 2023, Tom, inching towards that elite stage that we always talk about. Always. Not saying they're not saying obviously that they're there. Even winning this game isn't going to put them there. But that I think that's what's at stake. If you can cap this year off with an 11-2 victory, both the teams you lost to were in the college football playoff. One of the teams you should have beaten in Ohio State, you beat a great Utah football team, a top you know, seven team to start the season off of Pac-12 champs right now. You beat them, whether it's by 1, 10, or 20, it doesn't matter. But if you can get that victory, you can win the rules, but you can finish 11-2 and two and head into 23, Tom. I think you earn the right to be in the conversation next year as a team that can make a push, not just in the East, not just in the Big Ten, but make a push to get to the college football playoff. I think it's so much about Penn State right now. I completely agree, and it was something I was trying to talk about in our last episode with Steve Jones. We thank him for coming on, is that if you look at the program from a macro perspective, unless you get thumped by Utah, which I really don't expect. I expect this to be competitive one way or the other, and I feel very strongly that Penn State can win this game. It's going to be tough. It's going to be a freaking dogfight. But as long as you don't get killed in this game, a demoralizing loss a la Michigan, there is no downside to playing in this game whatsoever. Utah, I saw a lot of people in the comment section on Utah saying Utah isn't, isn't a brand. I disagree. Ever since Kyle Whittingham took over in 2000, he took the torch that Urban Meyer lit, and he's maintained the relevancy of Utah to the point that they're now back-to-back Pac-12 champions. So this is a legit Utah team and a legit Utah brand in the bowl game that you want to compete in that's not in the CFP. I mean, even you look at, and I get and I get it, like, you know, people talk about the Pac-12 and, you know, USC, UCLA, you know, moving on soon, but, like, USC, UCLA, again, Utah, Oregon, like uh, these teams have had Washington, Tom, like these teams have had very good years. That's it's, it, it, it's still really good football in the Pac-12. There are still very good teams, a part of the Pac-12. And you mentioned Kyle Whittingham. And it's like 10 and three this year, 10 and four last year, right? 2019, they won 11 in games. They, they won nine games um, in, uh, in 2018. Like this is a very good program who... This is going to be a tough matchup. This is not it's not one of those games Tom where I think you just they they, they fell into a great bowl and they're just going to be able to go out there and and show up and win. I don't think it's going to right. be like that. Again, we've talked about this with Steve Jones. Like Utah's a team that could fit in the Big 10 the way they play their style of play. So Penn State has their work cut out for them. Yeah, I can't wait for the Rose Bowl. So in the meantime, as we're getting ready for this and all sorts of things are happening with the transfer portal, players staying, players going to the NFL, NIL stuff, like it's really insane right now. So we're, we're keeping our finger on the pulse of whatever news is popping up. We wanted to take this opportunity to look at one of the strong points of Penn State football right now, and that's been the defensive line. The defensive Manny Diaz was stellar this season. There are plenty of questions coming into what this defensive line could be. So we have a very 
special guest to help us evaluate what the Penn State defensive line has been here in 2022 and maybe some future projections for these individual players. Joining us now here on Paydirt, he's a former Penn State Nittany Lion. He's a former Indianapolis Colt, and he's currently on the roster of the XFL's Vegas Vipers. Robert Windsor joining us, former defensive lineman at Penn State. Naturally, Robert, we thank you so much for joining us. I've got to ask because I know McGloin has the XFL in common as well, but tell us a little bit about about your experience with the XFL relaunching here in 2023? Well, it's just been a good opportunity for me and a bunch of other players to do what we love again, and that's play football. So I'm really excited. I go down there January 8th, camp starts. And, you know, the way I see it, it's like a, a D league for the NFL. So I'm pretty excited to get back to it. Yeah, and Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Danny Garcia have been pretty transparent about their goals for the XFL, that that is kind of uh, you know what you were just saying, is a developmental league trying to see if guys can continue their dreams and maybe get back to the National Football League. And, and hell, you know, the Canadian Football League is a fantastic league as well, so there's different opportunities for guys, which I'm thrilled to see. And I think that's an awesome thing for you because Matt and I were talking about this before we got started, is that you were with Penn State from 2015 to 2019. You had a very nice career as a defensive tackle that was solid along the defensive line part of an 11 win season um, part of one of the 18 years that Sean Clifford was at Penn State so that's really cool uh, but you had to go through the you know, the brunt of the pandemic to get into the National Football League you get drafted while a pandemic's going on I mean how crazy was that getting to Indianapolis through all that man it was insane it definitely threw a spiral on my career and I know the, the pandemic affected everyone differently, and it, it wasn't easy for anybody. But, you know, for me, starting off, I, I, was, I was blessed. I got invited to the Combine, right? So I still got to get in front of scouts. They still got to evaluate me and my athleticism. But so many guys fell short of a pro day. All these pro days got canceled, and so many people were left without pro days. And, and then this also carried over into the season. We didn't have preseason games. And this – this is where it really hurt me the most because, you know, I got drafted, but for all those guys who didn't get drafted, not having a pro day hurt them. But for me it was, okay, I made it to camp. I got drafted, but now I'm not having preseason. So other teams can't evaluate me. The only team that was able to evaluate me during camp was the Colts. And, you know, I came in and I competed at a high level. I was rotating in with the starters like about halfway through camp because I kept getting better and better. I was holding my own. And, you know, at the end of the camp, they brought me in to cut me. You know, you get that text like, please bring your iPad in. And, you know, <laughs> your heart just sinks. Yeah. You're like, man, like I really thought yeah. I made it. Yep. And, you know, Chris Ballard sat me down in the GM of the Colts and just said, you know, this is a really crazy year. You know, you're the kind of guy where you really needed those preseason games. He's like, I felt like I would have had to have signed you if other teams were able to see how you performed. But based on what other teams felt about you pre-draft, I feel like I can cut you and pick you up off waivers. So at the end of the day, it was, it's a business. The NFL is a business. And that was a business decision. So that really hurt me. I ended up playing in two games the 2020 season. I did real well. I only got like five snaps a game. But I got to the ball carrier and made plays. One of the coolest ones was my first game I played against my hometown team, Green Bay. So I was – Jacked up for that. 
tackled Aaron Jones on second down for like a, a two yard gain, and it ended up to being a you know a third down stop, and we we forced him out. So I was pretty proud of that, and played against the Tennessee Titans. And then after that, the ten the Tennessee Texans wanted to pick me up for their 53 man roster. And, you know, there's this rule in the NFL, which I disagree with because I think it takes away opportunities from guys on practice squads like myself. Um, it's called you can protect two practice squad players a week so they can't get picked up. So my agent calls me. He's like, hey, the Texans like what you're doing. They're going to sign you to their 53-man. He's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let Chris know so he has a chance to sign you to the Colts roster. Calls me back five minutes later. After I'm packing up my house, like I'm ready to go. Sure. Like, let's go, baby. Let's go. And then, uh, yeah, then he's like, okay, well, they protected you. I'm like, all right, well, that sucks. Now I'm still on P Squad. Like, that was supposed to be my shot. And then I ended up spending the rest of the season on P Squad. And uh, 2021, I'm like, okay, this is my year. Like, let's do this. Like, we're having preseason games. Mm-hmm. Everything's on go. I'm ready. This is my time. I just had to be patient. And then I ended up having this pain you know I was I was at the Indianapolis facility I was working out before OTAs and after one workout I just had this pain in my groin and it just didn't go away so I ended up getting an MRI and I ended up I had tearing in my hip and groin and I had to get surgery and I ended up being on IR the rest of that 2021 season and then after that I got cut and you know that kind of was my career right there and the pandemic uh, like had a huge effect on that. I just feel like I'd never got my opportunity and, and opportunities, opportunities in the NFL aren't given, right? They're earned. And you might not, not everyone gets one. And that's just the way it goes. It's a highly competitive league. And there's some, some players out there that deserve to be out there that aren't out there just because of that, which is why this XFL league is such a great thing to give people not only an opportunity who never got an opportunity, but also give people a second chance that, you know, fumbled with their first opportunity. Like I know uh, on my team, the Vegas Vipers, Vic Beasley is on my team. He was a former all pro in the NFL, you know, had, had some, made some mistakes in his life, which caused him to get cut off a team. But you know, this is his another shot. He's a great player that, you know, hopefully he can redeem himself and hopefully I can too. You know, it's awesome. Matt, when you hear that, circus that Roberts had to deal with what what does that bring up for you because you guys have had similar experiences bouncing around a little bit in the NFL and wind up with a a second lease on life in the XFL well when you know Robert talked about getting that text message I laughed and you know it's because I've had that happen to me three times (laughs) I, I think you know throughout my NFL career and Robert to be honest with you all three times for me I thought it was unex- it was unexpected because you don't expect to get cut. No, you no. don't. You feel like up to that point, you've played well enough. You've done everything that you possibly could to make the football team. You feel like you deserve to be a part of that team. And, you know, it's just it, it comes down to numbers, you know, whether, uh, you know, I, I had conversation when I got released day one, week one. After I'd already made the 53 in Kansas City, mm. I made it. I remember, you know, they're telling my agent how, you know, how, you know, how you know, good Matt was, you know, throughout the spring, preseason, throughout the summer, you know, how good of a quarterback room it was. This is on a Saturday. I made the 53 Monday morning, about an hour before our first meeting, I got the text message. That's crazy. And I went up and I was just shocked. And, 
they're like, yeah, we need a defensive guy. And I was like, oh, uh, you know what I mean? Like, you don't yeah. like, it's just it's shocking. Just, the way. just happened to be the last man on the list. Like, okay, who it's, do we, who do we know, need to get rid of? It's yeah. Matt. Yep. Yeah. But about, yeah, probably uh, about five or six hours or whatever it was before my contract was guaranteed for the year as well. My salary. Wow. <laughs> so, that, is, that is tough. That was yeah, a, they, probably, uh, they probably knew that too. They probably that, knew that too. Oh like, yeah. That, that was a tough, that was a tough day. But again, I, I got cut from a couple you know, pretty good teams. The Eagles, I got cut by the Eagles in 17. They went on to win the Super Bowl. And I got cut by the chiefs, uh, in 18, they went on the AFC championship game that year. And I think the following year is the year they won the Super Bowl. And then when O'Brien was in Houston, I was there for a few days. And I think there were some power struggles going on, you know, between the general manager at the time, between Bill. And, and I think that's probably one of the reasons why they brought me in for one week and then uh, released me. But, you know, it, it's it's a business, Robert. Um, I was on the good side of it for a while, playing in Oakland for four years, which fantastic organization, great people inside that organization. Then obviously yeah. I've been on the bad side of it as well with, with the places I've been and you know, the way uh, you know, I got cut and things like that, but it's just the separation between like the management and the coaching. Like I I've always felt there was a big gap there because you, yeah. you get along great with your coaches, you get along great with your teammates. And then it's somebody else, you know, I think that's making the decision about, you know, who's going to be on your roster come day one, week one. But, you know, for, you know, I was in your position, Robert, when, you know, you go to the XFL now and it's like, I still feel like I have something left to give. I still yeah. feel like, you know, I, I, I could be played at an extremely high level. Um, and this is just the path that I need to take now to get there. That's why I love the XFL. You know, I, you know, you, you knew it was going to be difficult early on being that, you know, it had been 20 years since they brought it back. Um, but it was great. It was a great opportunity. There was so much talent on our team. There was so much talent in that league, but I think for the younger guys, especially it just, it, it, it there's not enough time in the NFL. There's right. not enough reps in the NFL. There's not enough, you know, film for these guys in the NFL to say, you know what, this guy, this guy, you know, he can get it done for us. This guy has a chance here to develop into a good player, whether it's offense, defense, special teams, whatever it may be. So, you know, going the XFL way, going the XFL path could be a great thing for a lot of players, could be a great thing for a person like yourself, you know. So I hope there is, you know, a, a, a real future with the XFL. And, and as you guys mentioned, almost use it as like a feeder system to the NFL. I hope they can develop that and use that. Are you a fan of rivalries? Are you a fan of smack talk? Do you like to stand out from the crowd at tailgates? If so, head over to Smack Apparel and check out what their team is geared up for this football season. Their Let There Be White tee is the perfect gear for those famous whiteout games at Beaver Stadium. Or get straight to the point with the worst tee for all the Ohio State haters out there. Smack Apparel makes the gear that'll have everyone asking where you got it. They have the must-have tees for all your teams, including pro football, baseball, basketball every fan is covered head over to their website smackapparel.com and use the promo code paydirt at checkout for 10 percent off again that's smackapparel.com promo code paydirt at checkout why wear boring when you can wear smack 
Are you looking for undeniably good hair and beard care? Then Maestro's Classic is perfect for you. This month is No Shave November, so visit maestrosclassic.com. That's M-A-E-S-T-R-O-S classic.com all month long. You can get a free beard comb with any purchase of $25 or more. Just use the promo code FREECOMB. That's F-R-E-E-C-O-M-B. Also, a reminder, use our promo code PAYDIRT15, that's PAYDIRT15, at checkout for 15% off your order. Maestro's Classic, crafting a better you. Yeah, and I think I think that's how it's set up, too. So the season starts, you know, February 14th, sometime in mid-February, and ends in mid-April. So you have, like, about a month or two there between, between OTAs to get ready. So you put out good film. The, the plan is, you know, put out good film, get signed to a team for OTAs, and hit the ground running from there. Yeah. See if it works out um, yeah. for, for our purposes here on Pater, you know, Penn state football currently is gearing up for the Rose bowl on January 2nd, number 11, Nittany lions up against the number eight, Utah Utes, the champions of the pac 12. There's a ton of excitement right now around this program. And we thought it'd be great to have you on here on Pater to kind of evaluate the current defensive line for Penn state football, because there's just so much talent. Matt and I have been talking about this for what feels like the life of this podcast is that there's probably a dozen guys on this defensive line, even preceding the freshmen that just came in, that are so talented, have had a lot of hype, a lot of potential, and it's just when were they going to realize that potential? And it seemed like this year under Manny Diaz, a lot of those guys made strides, and you got a transfer in like Chop Robinson really added to the mix. So we wanted to get your opinion on how these guys are doing and how they're built for Penn State football, for what Manny Diaz's scheme is like, and then also maybe some of your uh, NFL projections for some of them. So I, I would love to start individually with a, a guy that I think had a really, really good season is Adisa Isaac coming off an Achilles injury last year. Adisa Isaac at defensive end, a position that Penn State is rich in right now, it seems. Um, what did you see out of Adisa Isaac this year that maybe – got him closer to realizing that potential we've all been talking about. So I saw a lot of good things out of Adisa this year. I saw him develop a lot from the first game to the last. And one thing that's really important as a defensive lineman is the ability to have wrist control over the offensive lineman and use hand moves. And that's one area I saw him really develop in. I've seen, I saw him use a plethora of moves, right? He uses a side swipe. He uses the cross chop. And he, he knows how to get on that edge and bend around the edge once he disables the offensive lineman. So – Saw a lot of development from him there. He he's, looks promising. Like I'm happy for him. He has that. He really has that NFL potential. Yeah, you look at the rest of that group as well. And and one of the things that you know, you, uh, you know, you look at this this the system that they use and the depth that they've built within mm -hmm. that front seven and that front four. And you know, uh, for for somebody like yourself, you know, take us through the way this works, right? Like the rotations, the systems, how you know, these four guys are in here and then, you know, you see two guys running in, three guys running in, you know, I've never played, I played defense, you know, when I was 10 years old. And once I got to high school, Robert, I said, listen, I'm a quarterback. That's it. I'm not playing defense anymore. So, <laughs> but talk us through a little bit about how, you know, the, the rotation works, the system works when you're sure. dealing with nine, 10 guys that can play the front four and, and there's no drop in production. So the defensive line, the way I see it is it's like a pack, right? We all we're strong as we're strong as our weakest link. 
and we need to keep a rotation, right? Because we're, we're attacking, right? I, I know that we're on defense, but we're, we're really as a defensive lineman, you're attacking. You're attacking an offensive lineman, you're penetrating, and we're going to get the quarterback and running back. And that takes a lot of energy, and you need to be fresh to be able to do that. So as soon as you get tired, you tap your helmet, the next guy's up, and there's no, there's no lack in play there. So it's rather than just being an individual, it's a group effort. And, you know, the same thing goes with rushing to the, rushing to the quarterback, right? You have uh, your ends have a good rush that makes the quarterback step up into your defensive tackles. But, and then your defensive tackles get the sack. Vice versa, if your D-tackles collapse the pocket, there's nowhere for them to step up, and your ends end up getting the sack. So really, defensive line play, it's really important to have depth, right, so you can get that rotation, and the guys next to you. So having trust in your guys next to you. So the way I see the unit, it works as a unit. It's not just, oh, we have one really good defensive lineman. You can't really do that. You can't just put one elite person and have nobody around him and expect the D-line to dominate. It needs to be a group effort. How important is it to have a guy like Mustafer leading the way there, leading that group, somebody who has been there before, has played well in games, played well in big games, but to have that leadership there to help these younger guys understand what it takes and what that that team looks like week in and week out. So I got huge appreciation for PJ. One, because he's the one technique, and that is the heart of the defense. You need to be able to hold the line of scrimmage right over the center. Otherwise, the defense doesn't stand a chance. They're going to be gashing you all day long. So huge respect for one technique out there. And not only does he is, does he lead physically by doing his job, but he's a vocal leader too. I remember I, I was on the sideline for the Ohio State game, and I ended up going into the locker room. That was my first game back to Penn State since playing. And just hearing him speak in front of the team and lead, I was very proud uh, because last time I was there, he was just, you know, he was a, a sophomore last time I played with him. And just seeing the development and leadership and on the field is huge. And to have a guy like PJ in your program, he makes everybody around better. You know, Tom, Tom and I, talked about this early in the season you know you started to see flashes of a guy like chop robinson mm. and you know t tom knows this robert for some reason i think uh you know the big 10 network i think they like think i'm a maryland fan or something like that because <laughs> they've get, they've given me a bunch of maryland games to to call you know over the past uh past year or so uh but i, I remember last year you know uh, coach is talking about chop robinson at maryland sure enough he transfers into penn state the ability to do what he did in year one, not just to come into a new environment, but a new system under a new defensive coordinator and develop and not, and not just develop, but develop fast mm -hmm. the way he did and get comfortable with the position that he was playing in a new stadium, in a new environment. I, I mean, how difficult is that for somebody to do and just how talented is this chop Robinson guy? Well, it's extremely difficult, especially as a freshman, right? You're not not only are you adjusting to, you know, the speed of the game, the more like you know, just everyone around, everyone on the field being more athletic, but you know, being leaving your parents' house, going to college, socially, academically, right? You have a lot on your plate, and for him to be able to do that it means he's he's got a good head on his shoulders, and he's just so young that the fact that he's making this plays, I would I wouldn't put it all on his technique. That just means he has some raw athletic ability which is excited because you can build technique on top of that. So the, the future's bright for Chop. What about a guy like Dennis Sutton? You know, you mentioned, you know, freshmen trying to come in and, and make an immediate impact. But, uh, you know, when you have 
guys that have played before and that have been in the system, Isaac, you know, Beam and Mustafa Tarburton, um, you know, Ellie's, you've had these guys that have played a lot of football at Penn State, but then, you know, you could immediately see it from a guy like Dennis Sutton. I mean, I think he's huge. He just adds to that depth, right? So you never know when someone's going to get hurt or next man up mentality. So it's huge to have guys like him around. I'm a big fan of Deny Dennis Sutton. As a freshman, he got in a lot during mop-up duty at about 6'5", 250. That sort of height for a defensive end as a freshman, it gives you just so many options. He's got such range, and I think he's just going to add to that frame from a standpoint of just tacking on muscle. Um, Keeping with freshmen, I also really like Zane Durant. He looked so good during the blue-white game earlier this year. Like Deny Dennis Sutton, he got some opportunities here and there. Uh, He got in a significant amount against Michigan State there on senior day, so I was very encouraged to see that. A little undersized at defensive tackle, Robert, at 6'1". Most of Penn State's defensive linemen come in around 6'3", or at least that's what the depth chart says. But what do you see from Zane Durant that Penn State fans should be excited about? See, I don't think you should let his height – deter you from him right let's be real Aaron Donald's like 6'1 and he's the best he's the he's the best to ever do it and you know like you said he's small you know but he tackles the position where it takes time to build that size you know he just got there he needs more time with the strength staff with the nutrition staff and that's something I'll be looking for to see him to build but it's good to have guys like him around and and with all these guys it's it's good that we have young talent because we have such a good D-line coach around not only John Scott, but Dion Barnes. So I had a chance to sit in on coaching meetings when I was up for the Michigan State games. And I just kind of told Dion, like, hey, man, I really want to hear, you know, your coaching philosophy. And he kind of broke it down for me. And I was really impressed and excited that they have a guy like him on staff. So every pass rusher and defensive lineman has the philosophy, a defensive line philosophy. And what I mean by that is there's only a certain amount of things offensive linemen can do, and you need to have a reaction for each for each uh, reaction. So, for example, if an offensive lineman gives you a low hand, you need to have a move for low hands. If he gives you a medium hand, you need to have a move for medium hand. If he gives you a high hand, you have a move for that. If he doesn't give you any hands, then you need to have a move for that. So he is implementing his philosophy, right? So my philosophy is different. Obviously, I would teach a different – every pass rusher has their own philosophy. But he's teaching his. And just the fact that there's a guy there who is a seasoned pass rusher training – pass rush philosophy and defensive line philosophy, I have all the faith that all these guys are going to develop and reach their full potential. I just got to say, it, it sounds like your your depth of love for the game is considerable considering you went back to campus and you're asking about philosophy, you're teaching to pass rushers, and you're not just showing up to say hi to people that you went to school with or just like, hey, coach, how are you? Or something like that. Like You actually bothered to do the homework. Like, I, I, it, Was that something big in your recruitment with the XFL? Um, well, when coaches were interviewing me, I kind of let them know I'm, I'm kind of a coach now too. So when I spent this season off, right, I got cut. And then there was just like a season I wasn't a part of a team. And I was really hurting because I lost the brotherhood. And, you know, Matt, you, you know how important that is. Like the brotherhood is everything. It's the most important thing about football. And I was hurting without that. And I knew I needed to get it back. So I started coaching with my previous high school football coach. And, you know, I found it, I found my new love for when I'm done playing is like, I'm, I'm a trainer, right? I have such a high depth of knowledge for defensive line craft that I'm going to start playing again, but I'm going to start training at my gym here in Wisconsin in the off season. So I want to start training kids, 
and help them get scholarships because there's a there's a kid in McGuanago, right? He had he had a few, you know, he was getting recruited by some schools, had some small D1 scholarships, but this kid could play. And I sent his film out to a bunch of guys like Pry at Virginia Tech and Banks at Tennessee, and I sent it to the guys at Penn State. And, you know, they ended up offering this kid a scholarship, and that was cool to me. I was like, okay, like I have power to really help develop these kids and change their lives for the better. So that's something I'm going to start doing in my offseason rather than just – training and getting ready for the next season. I want to start skill training kids and helping them develop to reach their goals. So it's no longer just about me, but it's about giving back. Love that, man. That's, that's fantastic. Uh, let's keep it with uh, the defensive tackles since that's your pride and joy. And, uh, you know, uh, McGloin mentioned Mustafer. Uh, he's a super senior. So he's uh, off to the national football league. Uh, we hope, uh, we hope that's what's in his future. So uh, the remaining defensive tackles, I think you got to feel really positive about it. at least the ones that have touched the field significantly this past season for Penn State. I'm looking at Koziah Izzard, Devon Ellis, uh, Jordan Vandenberg. I do want to talk about a little bit because he didn't see a ton of playing time, but I think there's a ton of potential there. And Hakeem Beeman, uh, Beeman, Ellis, and Izzard. How do you feel about those three? So the ones, the two I'm very familiar with because they were there while I was there is uh, Hakeem Beeman and Devon Ellis. And I like them both. I like Hakeem at three technique. He's always a very handsy guy. He always was a good pass rusher, and he always came off the rock. He's a good penetrator. He fits in the scheme very well. So the scheme we run is we run a lot of edge blitzes, and we stun our defense alignment a lot, and we expect them to be able to penetrate and make plays in the backfield. And I think Keeman has the ability to do that. The one thing I'd say for him is keep building on size. And Devon, I see him as, as a one technique. He's a big, stout guy, but he's also good with his hands. And like you said, you know how important that is to have defensive linemen that can use their hands across the board because it's not just a one-person position. It's a unit. So I'm excited for those guys. Uh, and then regards to Jordan Vandenberg, he's somebody McGloin and I have spoke glowingly about after the blue-white game. Um, you know, I wouldn't even call him undersized, but there were definitely points where you know the mentality of low man wins certainly comes into play, but there's just so much depth here. Uh, what does Vandenberg have to do to break out? You know, I think it just it all starts in spring ball on camp with him. He needs to show up and prove coach that, like, hey, I'm an impact player. And then they'll, they'll gain coach's trust to be out there on the field. And then when he gets out there on the field, uh, they'll take advantage of it. And I've actually had, you know, guys tell me Jordan reminds people a lot of me. And, you know, it's pretty funny to hear them say that. So I'm excited for Jordan's future. That's good. Oh, that's a good thing. <laughs> You know, Robert, one of the guys that I think uh, you know, expectations were, I guess it's fair to say unknown, maybe Tom heading into the year. I agree. Um, you know, somebody that you know we've seen play a little bit throughout the years, but, you know, was expected to make a, a big contribution this year uh, was Tarburton. Mm, you know, absolutely. Been in, been in the system for a while. Uh, Robert, what are your thoughts on Tarburton and the season that he had? You know, I'm real proud of Nick in the season he had. He had a great season. He came in, he set the he was an edge setter for our defense, and he did a really good job of that. And I saw him develop a lot as a pass rusher. My you know, when I when I was uh I was at school with Nick and he was playing with me when I was there. And I never viewed him as a pass rusher, but obviously Dion has and Coach Scott has helped to develop him because I there's points this year I was watching him and I you know I saw him hit a swipe move here or a dip and rip there. And that kind of like caught my eye. I'm like, okay, Nick, like I've never seen you hit that before. I didn't know I didn't know you had that in you. So it was cool seeing him develop that way. 
And I think we're going to miss Nick a lot. We're going to need to find a new – and he was like a hard-nosed football player. He embraced yes. contact. He never shies away from contact, and that's what I love about him. He's a true warrior. And uh, we're going to miss Nick. You know, you mentioned size a few times. You mentioned, you know, nutrition and things like that. You know, for somebody like yourself who's 6'4", 290, um, you know, you look at some of these other guys. You mentioned Deny, um, you know, Chop Robinson, even Zane Durant. For, for these younger guys who are still growing and developing, Robert, you know, what does that look like? For a defensive lineman, what does the offseason look like for these guys in terms of the, these younger guys in terms of putting size on, putting weight on, trying to eat right, but, but also, you know, still maintaining that athletic ability, the flexibility, the quickness. What are these guys focusing on right now and what are they going to focus on post bowl game? Right. So the, the, the recipes and the details. So when, when you get to this level, it's a lot of little things that add up to big results. So getting all your sleep every night, because that's, 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 that's what working out is. You work out to create tears in your muscle and you need to recover and your muscles recover bigger. So, all right. You got to recover huge emphasis on recovery. And what that comes down to is sleeping and eating, right? You sleep, right. You eat, right. You work out hard. The rest will take care of itself. In regards to um, some other defensive linemen, uh, you know, I talked about this coming into the season, Robert, is that there's just so many guys that there's potential and there's hype. And and some of these guys realize it this year, and some guys are still working on that. Um, Smith Vilbert, uh, in and out of the lineup, it's been tough for him with injuries. Amin Vanover is somebody who's had a lot of hype around him. Uh, Devon Townley Jr. is a redshirt freshman I know they're very excited about. And Zariah Fisher is a sophomore. There's a plenty of guys that can get in there from what you've seen from these young prospects which who, who's a guy who's not on our radar right now that maybe in 2023 or even 2024 Penn State fans should keep an eye out for you know th those details will come out during camp I, I wish I could tell you but I can't but from from what it sounds like is we have a lot of depth and what it looks like is we have a lot of depth and what's that what, what is that going to do that's going to create a, a competitive environment in that room and it's going to make everyone compete and try for the spot right you know, no, no one can be comfortable, and that's just going to make everyone better. That's something that James Franklin has been talking about for years, right, Matt? Just nobody's going to be comfortable. We're trying to get from good to great to elite, so hopefully well, that's, that's the, the case. Idea. You know, that's the idea in playing football, right? You, can, you can't get comfortable in what you're doing every single day, whether you're a starter, backup, third string, whatever it may be. You can't be comfortable with your job. In, in, in a lot of ways, whether you're a coach or a player, you need to fear for your job. You know, basically on a daily basis. Um, that's just the mentality that you need to have. You can't stay the same. You can't maintain. You have to continue to get better. You have to continue to find ways to get better. And speaking of getting better, Robert, right now where Penn State's at, obviously heading to the Rose Bowl against a tough Utah football team. You know, a lot of people look at you know the bowl game, the 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 week before where you know they're on location, they're they're practicing that week for the game. I think this time right now though. A lot of people forget about that. A lot of people forget about the bowl practices that you get because you've made it to a bowl game. Yeah. How important are these practices for your football team? How important is it for these coaches to take a look and say, okay, here's what we have in the future. Here is who has been paying attention all year, right? Because now we're giving him an opportunity to show what he's done for the past 12 weeks. He might have gotten the reps, you know, week in and week out or during the game, but the mental reps, 
it's now translating here during this bowl practice. How crucial is this time for the future of the program? Well, it's huge. And, you know, when I think about bowl practice, there's two things that come to mind for me, right? You have your guys that were playing all season. And for them, this is just to keep that blade sharp. You know, if, if you don't use it, it's going to dull. Right? We, we, we got to make sure we're sharp. We have like a month off. We need to be ready come January. And for the guys who haven't been playing, this is your opportunity to show what you got and develop. You have yes. a whole month of practice. So th they're going to be taking care of guys in these practices. So the starters might get a couple reps here and there in practice, but a lot of it is going to be focused around developing the young guys, making sure they're ready for next year, and you know, seeing what they can do. Robert, we really appreciate you coming on. Uh, we hope you enjoy the Rose Bowl. Hopefully that's a win for Penn State. And sincerely, best of luck in the XFL. Uh, for everybody watching this, tune in for the Vegas Vipers. What number are you going to be wearing? Do you know yet? Uh, number 88, baby. Oh, okay, cool. All right. You yeah, went for a receiver yeah. number. Nice. That's right. You know what I mean? I move Is, like one. I'm sure, I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. Robert, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you all so much for joining us. We'll be back on ESPN Radio State College this Friday, November 18th, at a special start time of 1 p.m. Eastern to 2 p.m. Eastern. We will return to our normal schedule on Monday, November 21st. If you want to check out the podcast version of this show presented by the Believe Network, this episode and our entire library of shows is available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, let us know what you think of the show on Twitter at ESPN Radio 1037, at McGloin QB11, and at Tom Hannafin. Paydirt is presented by Bet Online and by Funk Brewing. Thanks again, everyone, and join us next week for more Paydirt. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube. You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.